Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to download the Church Center app. This is the best way to stay connected and up to date with all that's happening at Restoration Church. Most importantly, we hope the following message will help draw you closer to Christ. Thanks for listening. Hey, I had mentioned that uh, this was a little bit different of a Sunday because we're going to talk about some of the business of the church and and God's provision over us. And then we're going to update you on uh, some capital projects uh, that we've been working on. Uh, we're going to share it. Man, it's been, it's been a, a good ride so far. So, But I want to I begin our time by briefly um, looking at a passage in the book of First Peter. So if you have text with you this morning, you're welcome. There's not going to be anything on the screen. I know, a little different. There will eventually be, not just for me. I just didn't have anything prepared for you. So, um, If you have a Bible with you, if you have a Bible app, you're welcome to turn to First Peter chapter 2. My eyes are doing that weird, like, dry eye thing again here. So, I know, I'm sorry. Woo! Yeah, a little violin. Or am I, I'm just getting old. I just might need some readers or something. Maybe that's it. Here's what we're told in verse, oh my goodness, this is embarrassing. Verse 4, I think that says. I did prepare this, I promise. Yes, I do. That would be, that would be amazing. Thanks. I cannot see a thing. can't. Oh my word, this is so embarrassing. All right. This is a different translation, so we're going to we're going to work with this. It's fine. Here's what we're told in verse 4. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. How do I get a different translation up here? Oh my goodness. I'm going to open my Bible up back up again. Now, now I lost it. Now I need NIV. Wow. We are This is authentic. This is authentic life right here, friends. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Emily. Yeah, give her a hand for saving the day here. Yeah, here we go. As you come to him, the living stone, remember that he's the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones, right? So we are like little Christs, in other words. He's already identified Jesus as the living stone. Now he's saying that we are like living stones as well. It's important. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. And so each one of us, he is saying, every single one of us individually is like a stone that together make a temple for God's Holy Spirit to work. And in this temple, offer, we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He goes on a little while. Um, he identifies some Old Testament passages that refer to the same idea. And then he goes on to verse 9. But you are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. The priests were the mediators, right? They're the ones who are to say, um, God, this is who my God is. This is who God is. And we're going to come before God on your behalf. And he's saying that all of us are royal priesthoods. We are a royal priesthood. We all have the responsibility of being mediators of God's spirit, of God's presence, of God, his character, his likeness to the world. We all have a responsibility to mediate who God is to the rest of the world. We're a holy nation. 
We're holy people. We are set apart from the rest of the world so that we could be a light into the darkness. We're not like the darkness. We're not like the world. We are different, set apart from the world so that we can be a light into the darkness as we mediate to the world who God is. We are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We have, in other words, a responsibility and a privilege as the people of God to shine this light into the world, to be ambassadors of Christ, to be on mission together, to do something significant within our community so that those in darkness may proclaim that they have seen a great light. And not just proclaim that they've seen it, but be drawn like a moth to a flame to the great light of Christ shining magnificently through us. And so we have this opportunity. As we move into 2023, did you guys know that this is our 10th year as a church? Yeah, pretty cool. And God has done so many incredible things. Man, we have, we made it through COVID. A lot of great things have happened. This year, we're going to be celebrating a lot of the things that God has done over the last 10 years. And then this fall, we're going to look forward to what the 10 years might, the next 10 years might have in store for Restoration Church. But certainly, the heartbeat of, of who we are is that we might be a great light into a very dark region. That we would take this responsibility to be a, a royal priesthood, ambassadors of Christ, and to live Christ well, and to love well, to be born up, to be raised up, to be more like Christ together so that the world might be changed and experience the abundant life of Christ through us. Everything that I, that we have to say this morning, I'm going to invite Brian forward here in just a minute. Um, Wayne is going to chat with us about uh, the parking lot project. Tim is going to chat about the bridge, our, our progress with that. Emily's going to conclude with a, an invitation and a, kind of a recap of, of where, we, where we are with the capital campaign that we started not even a year ago, right? Last May is when we began uh, the capital campaign projects. But this is the thread that's going to go through all of it. God's provision so that we might be a light into darkness. God's provision so that we might build bridges to those who are far from Christ. God's provision, his calling upon us so that we might be a light into darkness, that we might be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we might represent him well to the people of Levittown so that they too might come into the saving, transformational life of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite Brian forward. He's going to share with you a little about where we're at in regards to a constitutional amendment, good stuff, and then also our finances. So here's Brian for you. You're clapping for a constitutional amendment. It's not a regular church, is it? Okay. So the first thing we want to talk about is partnership. Because, and if you go to the next slide, in at Restoration Church, we decided when we first started that we did not want to just have membership. You know, there was a question about membership and partnership, and if you've been to a partnership class, you've heard this, but we just felt like membership in a church was like membership at anything, right? If you had a membership in the pool, that means you were allowed to come. If you had a membership at BJ's, you were allowed to be there. And it made where there was like this group of in people, and this group of out people, right? So I'm not a member at BJ's, and I drive past there and cry because I can't go in. <laughs> right? 
that's not what we want. We want people to feel welcome here. But even more so than that, members really don't get involved too much in the decision-making, right? Like all you members of BJ's, do they ever contact you and say, hey, what should we sell? What should we do? How's it going? What do you think? No, we wanted people to be participants. We wanted people to partner. We wanted people that would get involved. And so that was our goal with partnership versus membership. We didn't want to just have a church with a bunch of members. We wanted to have a church with a bunch of partners. And so we developed a partnership uh, process that was very similar to a membership process, right? Because that was what we had come from, and that's what everybody does, and that's what we did. So the next slide says, what is this partnership process? So we had a partnership class, and if you took the partnership class, at the end of it, you were given like a partnership application. It sounds an awful lot like membership, doesn't it? So, and then if you filled out the membership par partnership application, um, and you were baptized, and then we accepted you into partnership, and you became a partner. And so that was our existing partnership process. That's what we're doing today. And is it working? Well, if you go to the next slide, we've had 83 people attend the partnership class at some point. 50 of them have completed the process, done the application, and been accepted in a partnership. 15 of them no longer attend because they've moved away or whatever. So is that working? Well, there's more than 83 of you sitting here this morning, certainly more than 50 of you, and if I get right down to it, way more than 35 of you. And yet, many of you have partnered with us, right? Many of you are doing the ministry that we're doing as a church, and that's really what we want to see. That's really what we're hoping for. So if you go to the next slide, maybe why isn't it working? Well... To be very honest with you, that falls on us as the leaders. It's not working because we haven't offered that many partnership classes. We haven't made that process very vocal. We haven't really educated all of you on what that looks like. And going forward, we're not confident that the process that we have is a whole lot different than a membership process, and we want it to be a partnership process. So we have talked over the past several months um, – probably even more than a year, about how can we do this, recognize partners, and have them be partners. Because one of the things that partners do is they vote on things like our budget, um, like the leadership team, important decisions that go on within the church. And we want you to have a voice because you're involved. We want you to be a partner and have those rights that partnership belongs. So could we do better? And the answer is yes. And we believe that the process that we're proposing this morning, um, which gets into the constitutional amendment, um, is in fact a better process. So what does that look like? Well, the proposal that we have has several points, and on the next slide we'll talk about them. Go one more for me. There you go. Awesome. So what we're going to do, what we're proposing to do as the leadership team is that when the time comes, which is pretty much every six months, right, we have a budget meeting that we have, a business meeting for the budget in um, June, when the end of our fiscal year, and then we typically have a meeting this time of the year, which we may or may not have a decision to make. Um, 
But what we will do as the leadership team is we will get a list of consistent givers. The Constitution says that partners should be those that are um, financially supporting the church, that are actively involved in the church, that regularly attend church services. So we would like to find a process that would identify those people and recognize those people as our partners. So what we've decided that we'll do is we can pretty easily, through our planning center app, get a list of people that have given at least three times in the last three months, people that are financially supporting the church. And we're going to take that list and start there. From that list, we're going to add all the spouses because we figure that, like, I always make the donation and Mary never makes the donation because I always do the bills. So why would that mean that I'm a partner and Mary's not a partner? That's ridiculous. So we're going to take that list of consistent givers. We're going to add everybody's spouses to it. Then we're going to review that list and say, of this list of givers, and we have people that give that are far away. They're not regular attenders. They're not necessarily actively participating. So we're going to look through that list of consistent givers and say, who's on there that regularly attends? Who's on there that actively participates? And with that list of people, we'll then think about, hey, is there anybody else that maybe they're, for whatever reason, the place that they're in life can't consistently give? Are they something that someone who should be recognized as a partner? And that process that we as a leadership team will go through on a probably every six months basis will identify who the partners really are at that given time. Because the church is fluid, right? People come and people go. It's the nature of church today. And this question of membership and partnership for all churches is a challenge. Um, the church that we came from at Grace Point had a very similar, you know, we, we at one time probably had about 600 people regularly attending, and we had 175 members. It just is the way it is. Um, because people are fluid, people are jobs and moving and whatever else change. So this is our proposal, and this gets into why we have a church constitutional amendment. So the church has a constitution, right? A good Any organization um, like a church, like a nonprofit, uh, will have some kind of bylaws, some kind of a constitution. We have a constitution, and in our constitution there is a membership process. The constitution that we have came from Grace Point. When we started, we weren't all that original. We took Grace Point's constitution and crossed out Grace Point everywhere and wrote in Restoration Church, right? Because how do you get started? You have a million and one things to do. That was not on the top of the list. So we're starting to look through that constitution and make it a little more Restoration Church-like. Um, and we decided that starting with this partnership process was where we would start. So there's a number of things that we're changing in the Constitution, which is what I'm asking the partners to vote on. Um, partners not using the new process, but partners using the old process to vote on. And so throughout the Constitution, we've removed all the places where it says member and membership, and we've changed that to partner and partnership to recognize what it should be. Um, we've removed references to the membership class and the application um, we've removed references to the membership role because there was sort of a process for reviewing the role and figuring out who's still here and who's not and removing people and all that kind of stuff. So we've removed all that out of the Constitution, and we've written a policy that basically describes what I did a moment ago um, as far as what the new partnership process will be so that we'll have a policy that will describe um, how we identify partners and when we do that, and then that policy may adapt depending on 
how it goes as we start into this new process of identifying partners. And then we also moved um, baptism as a requirement over to the policy so that it's not necessarily in the Constitution. We've had a rare instance or two um, where we've had people that have come to us and said that they really couldn't be baptized for one reason or another, but they have made a public profession of faith, which is what baptism is, um, as Ross always describes. And so we're willing on rare instances um, to, to forego the question or the requirement of baptism for partnership. So those are the constitutional amendments that we'll ask the partners to uh, approve. And if approved in the next week, because I sent out an email yesterday, um, and a number of you have responded and many of you have not, um, but we'll get a vote on that this week. And then we'll start to use the new partnership process for the June business meeting if it does, in fact, pass. Okay? So trying to identify who are you that are participating, who are you that are partners in the ministry so that you can be involved at the level that we really want you to be um, and recognize you as partners as such. So exciting, maybe. <laughs> For me it is. I actually really like the Constitution. This is just kind of a weird thing, but um, I don't know why, but I have been like the constitutional expert for the past well, 10 years here and 10 at the prior at the prior church as well. But anyway, so exciting for me, but for you, all that Ross just described about the way that God is moving, the way that God has used the church, the church is hardly this building. It's hardly that constitution. It's hardly the policy that we make. It's about the people that are here, and it's about the people that are out there, and that's the ministry of the church. And what we're hoping is that more and more of you will get more and more involved so that we can accomplish more and more ministry for more and more of our community. And that's the goal. Okay, so if we move on beyond the constitutional amendment to the state of the church, which I looked at this first slide. I really should rename this. I don't know why I call it the state of the church. There's absolutely no good connotation with state of the something, right? I mean... <laughs> Whatever. Nobody watches. I mean, people watch the State of the Nation address, and nobody likes it, and all it does is cause disruption. But I've called it the State of the Church for a number of years, and it's a shame that it's a shame that you just don't go back and change things. Okay, so go to the next slide, please. Okay, so here's so this is going to be all my graphs and all my numbers that I share with you pretty regularly. Um, in terms of the financial report. So here's where we stand from July to January. The yellow is the budget. The red is our expenses. The green is our income. The numbers are down below. The, the big number, the number that you're concerned with, the number that we're all concerned with is that overall at the bottom, we are $16,300 income over expenses. So that's a good thing. So we're in a good place. Um, God has blessed in terms of where we're at. So let's go on to the next slide, talk a little bit about why we're at a positive 16300 So this graph, um, similar to the last, shows our giving and tuition over the past seven months. The blue represents giving on those bars. The red represents tuition. You'll notice that the red is really, really small on that first graph because the preschool doesn't start until the second month of the year. Um, and that's also why the green bar, which represents what we are budget need, goes up over down because we only take in tuition during um, nine months out of the year. 
And so we have 12 months, obviously, in every year. And so our budget need goes up and down based on that, what we recognize or what we represent. So that graph doesn't show anything great. I mean, it shows two months where we're above budget, and it shows five months where we're below budget. Um, tuition is a good portion of it, but the blue, the giving is still the majority of it. So if you go to the next slide, this is the tuition comparison between last year and this year. The blue bars represent tuition for this year. The red bars represent tuition for last year. Um, tuition is doing very, very well. Um, the preschool is up in terms of attendance, and which is great because we budgeted up for tuition, and now they've exceeded those uh, expectations in terms of where tuition is that's coming in for the preschool. If you go to the next slide, there's the totals. So this year so far, we're up by 12,100 over last year at this point. Um, uh, which is really sustaining us well in terms of where we're at. doesn't make up the entire difference from the expenses, um, like the 16300 that we were in the black, but it makes up a good portion of it. And that trend is continuing. Um, the expectation is that the preschool will end up quite a bit over budget, probably somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000 um, beyond what we budgeted. So this is not just a case of people are prepaying at the beginning of the year, and then it's going to really... Um, dwindle off toward the end of the year. So if you go to the next slide, here's the giving comparison last year to this year. <clears throat> For the most part, giving has been on par, but a little bit lower. You can see there was a, a pretty big gap in September. Um, there were some large gifts that came in last September um, compared to this September. But then you see the same kind of change over in January. So we are down in terms of giving. If you go to the next slide, last year compared to this year. Um, giving is actually down by $14,200, which seems like a ton. Um, and it would be for any one of our budgets, but thankfully, you know, everything is kind of relative. And so our expenses this year are also down. I forget if I have a slide on that. So go to the next slide. No, I do not. But expenses are down, which is why the overall number, when you compare income to expenses, uh, income is below budget, which is okay because expenses are below budget more. So that's why we are below, or that's why we are in the black by 16300 This, though, I think is the other half of the story with regards to giving, right? So we're currently in the midst of um, a capital campaign with regards to giving. Um, we have the fellowship fund. We had the Be Rich campaign. Um, the bridge is starting, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So if you really think about giving, right, we were below budget, um, and we were below last year compared to giving. But this year, you have also given 83000 almost $84,000 over and above the previous slide where we were talking about being low. So it's not as though giving is really down. It's the allocation of giving across everything. Giving is really up in terms of overall giving. It's just that some of our giving has gone to specific projects, building bridges, um, the capital campaign, and so on. So overall, I think that you are generous, that God's provision is great. Um, and the things that we see, if you go to the next slide, are a very solid foundation. Within the church, we have the general fund, and that's where all the giving that we've talked about, tuition and giving, goes to the general fund. Those are the things that pay our staff. Those are the things that light the lights and keep the building heated and provide for all the expenses of ministry that we have. 
But there are a number of other things that we give to, um, and you can see there listed we have a prior year surplus, so that is giving that was over and above our needs year to year over the last 10 years, and that's very healthy, would help us through times where we might end up in a negative in terms of our income versus our expenses. The Little Blessings also has a surplus um, for years when tuition might be less than what their expenses look like. There's a capital fund there. That capital fund is not the building bridges. So that capital fund is the capital fund that we've had for the last 10 years. That provides for things like a leak in the roof, uh, the boiler breaking, the things that are capital projects that need to be done around the church to make repairs or to do things. Um, Fellowship and Be Rich are listed there. They, go, they fluctuate quite a bit throughout the year, um, especially during November when we're doing the Be Rich campaign. Um, but there's some leftover for the, for the remainder part of the year. Um, the Mission Strip Fund is something that we haven't used for the last couple of years with COVID. Um, the ability to do mission trips pretty much went away. Um, but we're looking at revitalizing that and coming back with some trips. Um, we'll see where that is because our, the partnership that we've done in the past um, with Compassion is not something that they're doing anymore that really hasn't come back since COVID. But we have some money there to be able to support missions trips in the future. And then the last is just the health insurance fund. For those of you that aren't aware, um, we have kind of a self-funded insurance plan that is done through another organization called CHM that allows for Christian organizations, church organizations to provide and to share in health insurance costs. But in order to comply with everything that we have to do for the government, we have to be able to cover anything that goes over and above what's shareable through that ministry. And so with the help of some legal advice, <clears throat> we have built up an insurance fund over the last several years. And to this point now, it's, it's funded. Um, $60,000 is where we need to be with the number of people that we have on the insurance. And so we're happy that we don't have to continue funding that. We may at some point in the future if we add additional staff. Um, but for now, that's just money that is set aside in case we need it. So a very solid foundation for us to build on financially, um, ways that God has blessed. If you go to the next slide, is that the end? Or is there one more? Yeah. So <clears throat> this morning, the message is thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for listening to the way that God has moved in your life. Thank you for responding appropriately and supporting the ministry as partners, participating, and financially. So let's just take a minute. We'll pray before we sing. Father, thank you so much for your provision. Thank you for the people that you provide. Thank you for the ministry that you do through us. Thank you for the way that you've provided financially. Lord, we look forward to the next 10 years, the future, and what that holds. And we pray that you would continue to inspire us and to lead us as we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen.